Love Radio. everybody. As we mentioned, Cal is having a couple of problems with his car, uh, but hopefully he'll be joining us a little later on in the show for Ready to Unload here on Blog Talk Radio. It's a and lemon. He's got a lemon, that kid. A lemon, that car. It's a Lamona, or I'm going to call my lawyer, uh, as Jerry Seinfeld once said. Cal, it's not. No, no, I'm not Cal. No, I never, I never will be Cal. I'm so used to bringing him in right now. I feel like it. Would it help if I said Calpino? It might. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony. We're going to talk about St. John's. If Cal joins us, we're going to talk about baseball. And we want to talk to you, 424-220-1817, the number to call. We also have a an awesome uh, fun load that we're going to get to later on tonight. Our buddy Jay Linder, the newspaper sports fan, as he asked to refer to himself as. Uh, be referred to as, uh, is going to join us to talk about the great meltdowns in sports history. Uh, pretty awesome. There's been some great meltdowns, and uh, there's this article about Zach Greinke uh, in the Milwaukee Sentinel News that got me thinking about how professional athletes, maybe we take it for granted that they can handle the pressure that goes along with their jobs. Just because they can throw a baseball fast means that they go media scrutiny and high-pressure situations and millions of people watching and you know what? Not everybody's wound up to do it. So I think we maybe take that for granted. We're going to talk about that in the fun load. But let's get right to it, Ev. Let's talk about one of your favorite topics, the New York Knickerbockers. You know, the Knicks had a, had a big win over the weekend. And, uh, of course, they could not continue that nice uh, wave of momentum there. And they lost to the, the Magic tonight. Bad second half for the Knicks. They come up short in Orlando, 116-110. Um, you know, big games again for the big three, Billups. Sotomayor and Anthony, and of course, no one else contributes. This is becoming a running theme. Yeah, well, this is a couple of the things we talked about when they got Carmelo last week. We talked about the trade. They they won their first game against Milwaukee, even though they gave up 108 points to Milwaukee, which uh, I believe it was uh, John Barry said in the pregame for the Heat game that uh, you know they couldn't score 100 points if they were playing alone in the gym. Uh, they gave up 115 points to the Cavs and lost. Or maybe he said about the Cavs, I guess it makes sense. Um, and they lost to the Cavs, and maybe they were, as Al Troutwig said, looking forward to the heat. That's not really an excuse. I don't know about that. Right. But then they come out and they yeah. beat the heat. A great defensive performance. They beat the yeah, heat. They beat the heat. I like the way that sounds. Came inside yeah. with the air conditioning, and they beat the heat in Miami. I, listen, this is what I said. I mean, it's going to take a couple of weeks. 
for them to, to really hit their groove. And there's no doubt that I think there's going to be certain flashes of brilliance when they have a game that they're completely up for. Certainly the Heat game is an example of that. But, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna lose these, these games as they're trying to figure out who they are. And, and a big, big loss tonight because they had this game. They were up, you know, 10, 12 points here late, in the, early in the, in the third quarter. And they, and they basically just, just let it slip away. And, and, and guess why? Uh, it's that lack of a big man presence on the inside as, as Howard goes for, I think, 30 points. 30 mm-hmm. points, 15 rebounds, 16 rebounds. And uh, this, this is what Cal talked about last week. This is a big weakness for them. Yeah, it's a huge weakness. And we also talked about the fact that this team is probably not going to learn how to play defense in four days. Um, or the seven days since they made the trade. And, and Ed, this is going to be a huge problem going forward. Uh, they had a great defensive effort against the Heat. Uh, you know, was it that the Heat couldn't throw the ball into the ocean uh, that night, or did they play well defensively? I only watched the last two minutes. We'll get to that. But Because uh, the Oscars were on that. Uh, but, you know, they had a great defensive effort the other night. But this is a Mike Dan- the D'Antoni team. They're not going to play defense. I was just going to say that. You're saying that are they going to learn defense the next week, but he doesn't stress defense at all. Well, but he every, says he does. Right. But they've got to play a little more. They, they don't have the, I don't think they have the, the bodies for it right now. And they just recently, uh, you know, apparently you're going to sign Jared Jeffries, which, you know, the only problem with Jared Jeffries before was his gigantic contract, that ridiculous contract that he had, and, or, or else he would still be here. He was a great uh, person. You know, played, he, he could guard a, a shooting guard, a point guard, Jared Jeffries, at 6'9". Yeah. He's a great inside presence. He's the guy they need. Um, but is it enough to, to stop a guy like Dwight Howard? I, I don't know. I mean, the reality is they had nobody like that before. It's not like Mozgov or Gallinari was doing that already. No, and you just hit uh, a nail on the head for me in the sense that uh, when you said that you know the biggest problem with him was his contract, well, that's the biggest problem I have with the NBA. I mean, that's why it's difficult for me to watch. But I, I believe they did bring Jared Jeffries back, a high-energy defensive guy who's very athletic, who can guard a lot of people. They need him desperately. And everybody gets all excited about them beating the Heat and saying, oh, you know, this team can make a run maybe to the Eastern Conference Finals and... You know, it's going to take time, and I, we talked about the idea that they very well, uh, very well might be a win one lose one team. You know, they may be the the Mets in two thousand and eight, win one lose one, win two lose two. And you're right; it might be that for a little while here while they figure things out. I mean, listen, the bottom line is that you have the three big guys doing kind of what they what they're going to do. You have Billups, Amar, and and Amar and uh, Carmelo doing exactly what they do. They've all scored, you know, 20-plus points tonight. Um, none of them are shooting particularly well right now, I think, because they're forcing some shots because there's nobody else to step up. Um, I was kind of surprised they cut Corey Brewer. I, I thought that was a guy that could have come in and provided some high-energy defense. Um, his offensive game is not there yet. Um, but I, I think what it boiled down to, and you, you brought up Brewer last week. You thought he was a good guy for this team. But I think what it boiled down to is that Walsh wanted some more big men. And, and, they, and they were basically signing Jeffries. Um, and uh, I, can't, I can't think of the guy's name that they just signed recently. Another big uh, forward, um, Derek Brown, off waivers, 6'9". You know, he's another big body. And good old DB. Yep. They, they, didn't, they didn't have guys like this on the roster currently. They have a bunch of swing men, so I think Corey Brewer was a casualty. Right, and uh, and and allow Derek Brown to be the eight thousand three hundred and forty fifth Brown to play in the NBA. Congratulations, Derek. Yes. Good You're to have you aboard. No, but Ev, they're going to be an up and down team. Uh, you know, people going crazy with that victory or whatever. But you you mentioned Chauncey Billups, and talk about you know a guy getting into fu mode. 
and uh, as the throw-in in this deal and really just getting annoyed at the, at the idea of being a throw-in. I think he went off for for, for 20 what, – what did he have tonight? 30, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. He had a good game. I mean, that's a tremendous game. He is a big shot guy. Even at his advanced age, he is not just a throw-in in this trade. He may be the key to the entire trade. But as we talked about last week, not the right system. It's not the right system. I, I think that's that's yet to be seen. I mean, it, you know, he, he's a crafty veteran. He may be able to mold his game. I mean, the guy got to the line 20 times tonight. 20 times he was at yeah. the free throw line tonight. So he's, he's doing something a, a little different. I'm not really sure um, if, if he's going to be able to take them as far as, you know, who knows in the playoffs. But, you know, listen, the Knicks are one of the top five or six teams in the East. Are they the top one or two teams? Probably not. Their, their team right now is not built for a long run into the playoffs. And But a guy like Billups complements the other two guys, I think, pretty well right now. Well, and I think the other thing we found out, Ev, is that this team, as it's assembled now, is going to take obviously take time to get to know each other, but also any given night can beat anybody. Any given night when you have those two guys on the floor, they can beat anybody. I mean, that, that's absolutely the case. Any given night. You have Carmelo, you have uh, Amari Stoudemire, and you have a third wheel in there like Chauncey Billups. Any given night, you can win. So there's not a team I don't think they can beat, but in a seven-game series, they're not going to win. So, you know, the Knicks lose tonight. Now, the other thing that happened in the week, of course, Deron Williams goes the next day to the Nets. And I think Cal said it best when he texted us, you know, uh, like you had said that it was too much to give up. The Nets gave up too much or something like that for a guy they basically don't have locked up locked up past a year and a half from now. And Cal was like, you know who's going to love this deal in a year and a half? The Knicks when Deron Williams goes there. You know, I don't think the Nets are going to love this deal in a year and a half. But Deron Williams, now he starts the recruiting campaign, right? Like now he goes in and is like, the Nets are awesome. Or does he? I mean, seriously, Deron Williams, this is not his top choice. He's, no. he's made that very clear over the last couple of weeks. He and is the Nets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, whose top choice is it? it, it you know, they're, they're a terrible team. Um, they really have one piece in Brooke Lopez. Uh, they traded away a bunch of picks. There's nothing foreseeable on the horizon unless Deron Williams decides to stay. Because the truth is, if Deron Williams has no intention of staying, he's not going to recruit players. And and who's going to come? Uh, and I'll tell you what. And Francesca brought up a great point. You know, everyone talked about the global icon Jay Z. You know, getting people to come. He's 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 over three so far. Right. He struck out pretty poorly. He's met with people, and you thought that he had a big influence. You know, he's got he's got a year basically to convince Deron Williams to stay. And and I don't know if that's going to be possible because I'll tell you right now, I don't think he's staying. Well, if Jay Z is your only recruiting tool, uh, you have a problem to begin with. I mean, they have the Russian. Uh, money around and stuff like that. And you got to give the Nets credit for, like, the next day having a big trade, getting Williams. Uh, nobody thought he would come there. You know, give them credit for pulling off the deal. But that seems like the easy part. They give up a lot of money for a guy that wasn't staying in Utah and, and is basically a rental for but a it's, year. It's a gamble they got to take, though, Ev. Uh, the, day after, the day after they get shown up and, and the, Net, the Knicks get Carmelo, he uses the Nets as leverage. You know, Prokhorov and Jay Z, but Prokhorov is trying to make them relevant in the in the or in the boroughs before they move to Brooklyn. You think he's staying? Like, let me ask you a question: a year a year and a half from now, are we going to be talking about Deron Williams signing a huge contract and recruiting players on this show? 
Yeah, on we're this on, show. We're <laughs> on the for another incarnation of this show. <laughs> I don't. I, no. And, no, and, no, I don't think we will. And this brings up another point that you brought about. Why isn't Brooklyn a bigger draw for these guys? Why is this not a bigger draw for these people? I mean, Brooklyn, I think they want to see it. I, I, I mean, guess. want to see it happen. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I've seen, seen the plan fall to Brooklyn and, <laughs> right. and to, to compete with the Knicks and to really like um, start something really pretty cool here in, in this area. I mean, it's a it's a pretty big basketball spot. I mean, I'm surprised that people aren't more on board for it. I guess I guess if it was more, I mean, is it a done deal or not? Do we know? Oh, it's a done deal. They're going in 2012. It's supposedly going to be done in November of 2012, and they've broken ground and they're building over there. I haven't been in that neck of the woods in in some time. Nape of the neck, neck of the woods. <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know, yeah, it's great to bring a professional sports franchise back to Brooklyn. No doubt. No doubt about it. And you know what? Again, as a fourth sport, basketball, and not really like a Nick Bocker backer, which I feel stupid even saying. That was awful. <laughs> but I could, I could get on board. Yeah, I, you're, you're a Brooklyn guy. You lived in Brooklyn for a long time. I could get on board. You you would you would go that way. You would completely give up the Knicks. I mean, you were never a gigantic Knicks fan. I was never a gigantic Knicks fan. I I wouldn't give up the Knicks, but it's it's the NBA. You can root for both. What color unis would you need to have to be a full Brooklyn green. Brooklyn fan? You need green. No, I think they should go with Dodger blue. Obviously. Wow. They should go with Brooklyn Dodger blue. What do we get? We're not going Brooklyn Nets, are we? I don't like Brooklyn Nets. I don't like that at all. I I like uh, I don't know, but we have to think about that. Because mm. that's how often do you get to rename a team? Yeah. Well, I, it was funny because I was just thinking about how great this would be for PlayStation. I mean, and think about it. If you're, you're playing PlayStation. You're playing a basketball game. I mean, you're 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 bringing a team to Brooklyn, and you're you're forming the the uniforms, the stadium. I mean, this is this is this is a complete, stuff. right. This is a complete. I mean, it's going to be some Russian thing, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be like the the Brooklyn <laughs> rubles or whatever it is, Brooklyn. <laughs> The Brooklyn KGB. Brooklyn KGB. That's pretty good. Teddy KGB. Teddy KGB. I like that. I will splash the pot. Um, <laughs> no, but you got to – You gotta. now, somebody had a really good name. It wasn't um, – oh, shoot. It wasn't uh, Nets. It, it ended in like a Z, and it was really like sort of Jay-Z hip-hop. Oh, the Jays. The Brooklyn Jays, J-A-Y-Z, like a jump shot. It a J. Hate it. Okay. The Brooklyn Yakov Smirnoffs. Does that work? What the country. What the country. <laughs> Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. The number to call uh, to get in on this. No, uh, I I don't mind talking about the Nets because I feel like they're the lost franchise, and I I root for a lot of lost franchises, as as you well know. Yeah, this is perfect for you. Why are Met, you not Nets? Nets. <laughs> now I need a hockey team called the Gets or the after the jazz musician stand. Oh, the Islanders moved to Kansas City. You may get that. Right. <laughs> the Islanders Kansas City Gets. After jazz musician Stan Getz. That's right. Yeah, jazz, a lot of jazz in Kansas City, right? The Kansas City ribs. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, uh, the Knicks uh, have a strange schedule the rest of the way. I was looking at their schedule the rest of the way. Maybe you can punch that up. But they they have a bizarre schedule. Um, I think they have 24 games left after tonight. Uh, they do play the Nets a couple of times. Uh, they have Memphis. Let's see, Dallas. Pacers, uh, home and home, uh, Memphis again, Milwaukee. Uh, they end this season with the uh, Celtics. I mean the Celtics. Uh, I'm kidding. Jeez, you look at me like I was serious. You're right. 
Yeah, they end the season with the Pacers, the Bulls, and the Celtics. And they got the Nets. You know, they they have like sort of an up and down season. They don't have any West Coast trips or anything in there, though. I don't think they're uh, they're west of the Mississippi. So we'll see what the Nets do. Again, we we thought it was going to be a win one, lose one, win two, lose two. We thought they were going to be that kind of annoying team until they figure out who they are. But the, the the biggest thing that I've seen in the two minutes that I watched the other night, and of course in listening to it on the way over here uh, in Bayville, did I mention we're in Bayville? <laughs> was that uh, Chauncey Billups is a key to this deal. It was huge to get Chauncey Billups. So they, they do lose tonight to the Magic uh, and complete their little Florida tour one and one. Um, I also think of, I think the between them and St. John's, though, with the Carmelo trade and St. John's and Deron Williams, like basketball is really in this area. Uh, taking the front seat for a change. Uh, you know, both teams are in spring training, but the Mets and Yanks, are, you know, just getting started with spring training. The NFL has a lockout looming, so there's not much going on there. You know, people are afraid to even talk about the draft. We won't. We'll be brave, and we'll talk NFL draft. But that deadline, of course, is Thursday at midnight, so that's upon us. And basketball really sort of took over for you know, for not in the playoffs. Basketball takes over here sometimes, but usually not with the local teams. I mean, lately. I mean, think about the last time the Knicks were were really relevant. You know, it's over ten years ago. And, and St. John's has has been hasn't been relevant relevant in a long time. It's nice to see. I mean, and, and there was a big article in the paper today about how the Knicks ratings are up. Um, oh, is that right? Clearly, I mean, anybody who's seen St. John's games over the past couple of years at the Garden when it was empty seats everywhere, and now it's completely sold out. Uh, it's exciting. And St. John's, you know, they're they're. Basically, out of 15 now, I mean, they're looking at a possible top 10 seed if, if, if they do well in the Big East tournament. You know, uh, you know, finishing the season in 10 in the in the, in the poll. Um, it's a good time right now for for New York basketball. Yeah, and it's a terrible time for me. Let's be honest, <laughs> because I'm not a basketball. Yeah. All right. Well, let me give you the scenario. Let me set it up for you. Right. So Sunday night. Okay, the boy is asleep. Right. I I have uh, my mother-in-law town uh, in town who's lovely. Uh, but she's with Teresa, you know, uh, I had been going back and forth, uh, with some other stuff. I was finally home, settled in, it's eight o'clock, uh, and the Oscars are on. Now, come on now. The Oscars are on. Well, let's set this up also more properly. And, and the Knicks are playing the heat. You, you, you are also, you've also been in the industry. I, I was in the industry. I was on the fringe yeah. of the industry. I wasn't going to say that, but you <laughs> You do what you need to do. I was in the industry. I was as on the fringe of the industry as you could possibly be without being in porn. I was just going to say. <laughs> That's how I would okay. describe my, my acting career. That's Rodney Dangerfield once said. I, I retired from comedy. And to give you an idea of how well I was doing at the time, I was the only one who knew I retired from comedy. That was my acting career. Go on. <laughs> I mean, basically, you... You were within the industry in some way. Um, you have a, a vested interest in the Oscars. It's something that you are uh, very much involved in. I mean, if it was a sport that you thought more highly of, you probably would have taped the Oscars, I would think. No? Uh, unless it was a playoff. Uh, no, I would have watched the Oscars tape the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it was a playoff game. You know, playoff game, obviously. I'm and, you, and, and of course, any sort of postseason. And game. the reality is, is that in any of these scenarios, you would have lost because the Oscars were a horrible bomb this year. I mean, Look, agreed. Absolutely, but a fantastic train wreck of a bomb. Right. I mean, just magnificent. 
Uh, and here's a here's a wrinkle I wanted to talk about. We've talked about this on the show before with Cal um, about the idea of Twitter in the modern age and how like how Twitter really affects how sports are reported on and that sort of thing. Watching an Oscars first time ever being a Twitter user, magnificent. What, it changes the entire event. Give me an example. I'm following Kevin Smith, for example. Okay, and he was not at the Oscars. Am I correct? Yeah. No? He wasn't invited for Cop Out. He was, he was as close to the Oscars as I was. Uh, no, Kevin Smith, not so much. Getting the Lifetime Achievement Award for Dogma. <laughs> um, no, but Kevin Smith is tweeting. He's got a movie coming up, and it's basically like very funny, smart people who who I like, who I find very funny, giving a running commentary of the Oscars that are, that are famous. Like, you would never have access to this. Like, I had Steve Martin tweeting about what he's watching. It's, it's fantastic. Were any of these people Charlie Sheen? No, we'll get to we'll get to Charlie Sheen. Oh, we're gonna get to Charlie Sheen in the run. Well, he's one of the reasons we're we're doing the fun load uh, about meltdowns and athletes and stuff like Charlie Sheen having a very public meltdown. I'm enjoying. I see people like this all the time, you know, every day. Except it's it's startling to see someone in the media actually getting so much attention for this ridiculous behavior. I mean, every day in my job, I see people that are clearly whacked out on drugs in, in some bizarre he, mental situation. He was clean. By the way, that testing was only for two days. He's clean for two days. He so he's a, doing the he interview clean. two-day break. He's nuts. He has suffered some sort of trauma to his brain. Right, here's what I think. I think I didn't know who she was. I swear to God. Uh, you know, you 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 and your Charlie Sheen, man. I've loved I've loved Sheen for a long time. We'll, we'll get to Charlie in the meltdown segment of the Ready to. As long up. as we mention the fact that you copied his haircut in Major League. I did. I did have. We just did mention that. Yes, I had that. I had those lines in my head, folks, when I played high school football mm-hmm. and baseball. Okay, moving on. No, I so I watched the Oscars, but then I did what you're supposed to do, and that is. I, I watched the la- I paused the Oscars and watched the last two minutes of the Nick game. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do, exactly. And, and, and I, did I miss anything? Is my question. No, you didn't miss anything at all. No. You're right there. Yeah. <laughs> he handles the mic like Steven Tyler. I mean, you just throw it around. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, no, I watched the last two minutes. I saw the Stoudemire block, which was awesome on LeBron. I saw LeBron badly miss the three that would have tied the game, and, and I basically I caught the game. Because I caught the last two minutes. Again, I am not watching. I am not watching a non-playoff NBA regular season game from Soup to Hot. Ever? I can't do it. Ever. I can't, it does not hold my interest. So let me ask you a question. So next year, or two years from now, they get Chris Paul or Aaron Williams. And suddenly they have a team that rivals any other team in the NBA. You're, you're only going to watch the last two minutes of the game. I, I'm not watching a whole game. Okay. I can't do it. I can't watch a regular season game of a, a in a league where a team at 15 games under 500 has a chance to get the eighth seed in the playoffs. So, but but you watch an entire hockey game. Does a team 15 games under 500 make the playoffs? Possibly. Very rare. <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> but it's but it, there's so much more on the line. With with hockey because of the point system, the NHL has a point system. The NBA needs a point system. They need a shootout. 
Fourth through four. You choose it. They need to have things decided by a skills competition. Yes. <laughs> Instead of overtime. So you play one five minute overtime period, and if it's still tied, it's on contest. That's fantastic. I mean, that is, you need to call David Stern. That is fantastic. You think you'll take my call? 424-220-1817, the number to call. Let's move on. Uh, we were going to talk about St. John's, but Cal, alas, alack, has uh, still with the car trouble. What happened now? His battery was dead, and the hood wouldn't open. Battery was dead. Hood was jammed. This was, uh, a, was an epic fail on, on every aspect of his car. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't want to make fun of him because I'm not sure exactly the whole story, uh, but I'm dying to. I just, I just want to know, like, is he on punk? Like, oh, your battery's dead, and we can't get the hood open. Wonder what happened to Brian when we did this to him. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like it was a rival show at Blog Talk Radio that possibly <laughs> sabotaged this situation. <laughs> so well, let's move on to the Mets and the Yankees, F, because uh, that's what we can talk. And, uh, you know, the Mets and the Yankees in the early part of spring training, and the big news for the Mets, other than they asked for another loan, Oh boy, brother, can you spare a dime? <laughs> is that they moved uh, or Carlos Beltran? All right, now Ev, I got to say this, and that's a big story, right? They did this the right way, though. Let's give the Mets credit for a change. A position switch was done correctly. Okay, this is a team that moved up to the left field. That moved. That whole situation is still mind-boggling to me. <laughs> and at least they handled this correctly. They, they, Terry Collins said, I'm going to let him decide his decision. If we see that he can't play center field, we'll make that decision. But I'm going to give him the respect of a, of a you know, a 12, 13-year player, a star in sleep. If he thinks he can make it and play center field, he has that option. Let's see him run, see how he works out. Well, that, it never really got to that. So let me ask you a question. Do, do you think, are you, and I know you're a big conspiracy guy. Do you think this was basically something that was nudged behind the scenes and given given to Beltran to, to say to the media like it was his own decision to save face? Or this was all Beltran basically saying, um, I think this is best for the team. Or, third scenario, is this Beltran basically saying, um, this is the best chance for him to make most money in, in, in next season uh, free agency? I think it's the combination of the last two. I don't think there's a conspiracy theory at work here. I don't think that the Mets... I think Carlos Beltran at this point, if the Mets tried to feed him a company line and said, hey, go say this so it will all look good, he'd, get, he'd say in Spanish something to the effect of go after yourself. <laughs> but in Spanish, sounds right, of course. much prettier. Uh, so, But I think two and three are very true here. I think one, he does think it's better for the team. He doesn't want to embarrass himself. And he knows that he... To be true, if he has a good year, he stays healthy, plays right field, it's less taxing on him, he has a good year, gets a big contract. So it's team oriented and selfish. Is, is his selfish tendencies overblown? Absolutely. See, I'm a, I'm a Beltran apologist, or a Carlos Beltran, if I'm if you're if you're John Miller. <laughs> uh, 
I'm on, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't – apologist is the wrong word. I think he is blamed for everything, you know, outside of uh, the Jets just losing in the AFC Championship game. Like, he's blamed for everything with this team because he took strike three. Well, but we've heard stories over the years about him kind of running the clubhouse in a very negative way towards younger players. Uh, how much of that is true, we don't know. Um, no. But – We've we've gotten a little bit of a taste of what we think is a personality that's very cantankerous at times. Um, I, you know, I I found it very bizarre that he came out and did this on his own, and I was a little skeptical of the whole thing. See, I don't, I don't find this bizarre at all. This is what I mean about I think it's twofold. I think part of it is team, and he's coming out and saying it early. He's also not in shape, clearly. And he said that. Yeah. So I think part of it is team, like, let's get this out of the way early. Let's have Pagan play there. I'm going to make the decision. You know, because the Mets have screwed with him so many ways, Ev. They've screwed with his knee. They've screwed with his surgery. You know, Omar Minaya, the thing to me with Peloton is he was a $116 million player without $116 million personnel. Okay, so his talent definitely worries for that. But, but to, to play in New York and live up to that contract personality-wise, not You know, I'm tired of that excuse. It's not an excuse. He's produced. Yeah, but you know what, though? I'm tired of that because I've heard that so many times living here rooting for these teams. And really, all you have to do to be successful in this town is work hard, um, you know, play your position, and show in, in every way possible you're trying to help the team win. And everyone will get behind you. Has Beltran not done that? He has, but he hasn't, okay? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he hasn't fully committed to the fact that he needs to do those sort of things. I, see, I, I, but how is he any different than Bernie Williams? He doesn't play classical guitar. <laughs> That's the bottom line. You, you, If you pick up the classical guitar and can play it, you're suddenly more intellectual. Look, great point, but... <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, Bernie Williams uh, had a, a laissez-faire sort of attitude, not a attitude, but a sort of demeanor that appeared that he wasn't trying. I mean, all the same things of Carlos Beltran, except without the 40 home runs and 120 runs scored. Yeah, but you never heard stories about him not getting along with people in the clubhouse. Never. You never heard stories never. about him not getting along with any manager. All right, that's fair. You heard about him getting headlocks from Mel Hall, <laughs> and getting noogies from uh, other vet other veterans when he was a rookie, but... You know. Right. No, no, that's fair. But I'm saying, but answer me this question, Ev. And this, to me, spells the whole Beltron myth. Okay. If he flies out to deep left field, if he hits a bomb to deep right field, he's batting lefty. It's a bomb to deep right, and it's caught on the warning track, and that ends the game in Game Seven of the 2006 NLCS. Is he thought of differently? I, th I think any time somebody uh, strikes out looking in a big spot like that. It looks bizarre. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's what he's going to be you know, beholden to, or, or, or he's going to be remembered for. He's always going to be remembered for that strikeout, taking called strike three from Adam Wainwright, who just had Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, and, and in the playoffs and ending the playoffs. All right? That's what he's always going to be remembered for. Mike Piazza made the last out of the 2000 World Series against Mariano Rivera with the winning runs on base, but he hit a bomb. To center field, you hit the ball about 395 feet. Okay, in shape, and he's not killed for that. He's not killed for it. He's not, if he had struck out there and it's the last out and they lose the World Series, strikes out with the winning runs 
on base. Maybe it's a little different. No, I, I think you're probably right. I think that was the defining moment in his Mets career, and he failed. I, I exa- and I think that's why by, by a wicked curveball. A wicked from a guy who had some bad luck of himself this week. Yes, he did, and uh, he also uh, Chris Carpenter uh, walked off. The, I don't know if you saw this. Ev. Chris Carpenter walked off the mound today in his first inning. So uh, the mash unit that is the Cardinals, uh, maybe it's the curse of Pujols. Maybe you got to get that guy signed because uh, Wainwright, uh, Tommy John surgery to end. No, how come it's Tommy John surgery? I know we've talked about this, but why is there not Don Sutton surgery? Soon. 
So oh. you, you're on fire tonight. King Speech, Beltron, right? You're, you're killing it. Well, I just like to keep you guys up to speed, and maybe because as a, somebody once said, I retired from comedy, and no one else knew it but me. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, pal. Take care. Have a great time. All right. <laughs> uh, so, Cal, hi there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. Just continue with what you were doing. Well, what we were doing was uh, completely screwing up the show technically. Ah. How's your How's I'm, your car? How's your car, buddy? Uh, well, the show. That's 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 kind of what I did with my car. I I screwed it up technically. Welcome to the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and St. Pete. Dr. E-Ray Stad and I have been regaling you with uh, sports talk with you, not at you, uh, for the first uh, 40 minutes here. And now we're joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, my partner in dead batteries, my partner in lemon cars, Calpino Caliente, Brian. Uh, Brian, we're we're actually uh, we're having a lovely uh, show slash podcast. We were just talking about the Mets and Yankees and uh, getting into a little uh, Carlos Beltran to right field talk, my friend. Well, how nice. Yes, how do you feel about that? Uh, Evan and I have sort of speculated that it was uh, one part uh, for the good of the team, uh, you know, to, to get it out of the way early, and another part, uh, Carlos uh, looking out for Carlos so he can play more, be healthy, and get a big contract. Well, what, what did what did you guys think of the percentage of those two parts? I didn't I didn't hear that. <laughs> I think it was seventy uh, thirty new contract. Yeah, a little bit more than that, I think. <laughs> you don't like? I was just talking about right, right before we had the tech problems, which Doctor, don't worry, I will totally fix in post. Um, but right he, before he we must not be happy about this. He is uh, he is beside himself here here in Bayville. We're in Bayville. <laughs> He's concerned that I'm going to give away his address and social security. <laughs> it's good to have you on board, Cal. I uh, I clearly uh, ruined the show tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen, listen. Thanks for having me, and I'm sorry if I caused any technical problems whatsoever. <laughs> you absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's your freaking show. <laughs> your, name's on the, your name's on the billboard, pal. <laughs> Let's get back on track here, Cal. Let me ask you a question. You know, Sam Pete hey, brought up that he that he's he's a he's a big time Beltran apologist, and and his point was basically that he he really thinks that most of this is Beltran coming from um, a good place and doing it for the team. And you don't agree? Uh, I don't agree. Now. I'm not I'm not a Beltran apologist like like my partner is over there, <laughs> um, but I do th- but I do think that he's gotten a raw deal during his time here. That I, w- I will I will absolutely agree with that. And Sam P brought up that he felt that a lot of it stemmed from the the, the strikeout looking against Wayne Wright in the, in the divisional play in the uh, in the league championship series. Do you think that's where it comes from? I think that I think that it comes from that, and I think it comes from the fact that when he got here that first year. He was he was not very good. If, if you remember back to 2005, I believe was the year that he first came. He was not good at all. He was injured a lot. But um, and he and let's be honest, he doesn't. He's not exactly Mr. Personality. You know. No, he's no, he's not. And and that's what we were saying, Cal. Too. Like I said, he, you know, he's a 116 million dollar uh, uh, physical player. 
but he's he, he doesn't have the personality to boot. And Ev was saying, you know, he's tired of talking about that. And we compared him to uh, the great Yankee legend and and classical guitarist Bernie Williams. Uh, but you know, as as guys that you know sort of had a calmer demeanor or whatever. But I, uh, Beltran makes this move, Cal. It's the right move. He should be playing right field. It will prolong his career. Maybe he gets another contract. Maybe he has a career year. And also, you know what? It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he gets off to a good start. And they can ship him somewhere in the American League, you know, in in uh, in July. Get something for him. He can DH. He can play the outfield, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think this speaks more, Cal, to the idea that he's not in shape yet. I mean, he said that, but I, I don't think he's in shape at all. Now, what, what's he been doing? Eating bonbons for the last six months? I mean, come on, guy. Uh, he's got bad knees. He's got very bad knees. <laughs> is that your is that your professional opinion? Yeah, I, you know, I'm no doctor, but uh, I, ha- I, I do know a couple of doctors, and I have watched a lot of Carlos Beltran, and he's got bad knees. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think a lot of it is the fact that he's not in shape, but let's, let's hold off on, on, on throwing a parade for this guy and his magnanimous decision to help the team, because it's, I think there is a lot more to it than just that. So you're saying I should cancel the parade then? You might want to, uh, that order for, of balloons that you that you got for him? Yeah. Maybe, maybe put it on layaway. What am I going to do with all these congratulations Mylar balloons that I got then? <laughs> uh, well, you could give, maybe, maybe you could give it to uh, Luis Castillo when he makes the team. <laughs> Cal, uh, the other thing that came out, and we're going to get to the fun load in just a couple of minutes from our buddy Jay Linder uh, to talk about the epic meltdown. Maybe we'll bring up what happened technically here. But, uh, <laughs> but, Cal, the other thing is it came out that the Mets are looking to borrow more money. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I mean, this is, we just found out that they borrowed $25 million from Major League Baseball, which, which what was that, like a uh, change in the couch? But it feels like I could, I could write you a check. You take yeah. Um, and, and now, now that supposedly they're asking, like, J.P. Morgan Chase for another $430 million. You know, just something to tide them over. How is this not going to affect this team, Cal? Well, you know what? As 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 long... I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to... Look, I'm trying to buy into the fact that they keep telling you it's not affecting the day-to-day operations. And all of all of the players are saying the right thing. You know, they're, they're saying that, you know, it's not affecting them on the field, which is fine. But it's going to start affecting them if they need the money to operate the ball club and they don't have any money. Uh, let me you ask you a question. I, are, we looking at, are we looking at the first actual realization of uh, Major League where where the the, the owner is going to come down to the locker room and he's going to basically be, you know show them the plane that's the big Mr. Met plane and <laughs> it looks like it's about to break down and there's the a, whirlpool doesn't work. I mean, right. is, is this what's going to happen for the Mets? There's, there's a guy with duct tape working on the wing. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, uh, it all ties back to Charlie Sheen. We may actually have the first major league team. Uh, we need a Pedro Serrano. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who's the Serrano on this team? Would it be uh, Would it be uh, Jacobs? K Rod. 
It would be, it would be K-Rod. <laughs> well, uh, we, we didn't talk, uh, talk about the Yankees. I want to do that really quick, and then we're going to bring Jay Linder in for the fun load. But, um, you know, Ev, I want to ask you about this. What's up with this Batanzas kid? Everybody's excited. Batanzas. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> Phenom. Batanzas. See, I just want to know, why is it only the Metropolitans who uh, ridiculously hype their prospects? By the way, and and does uh, Jesus Montero intend on catching, or is he just going to hit? Well, he, he caught and threw out two runners today. Did he really? Was Rusty Staub playing? <laughs> Kevin Moss was running. Wow. No, the um. Listen, as much as you think the Met type of their prospects, the Yankees do it so much more. I mean, this is another example of a, a guy that's you know an unbelievable flame throwing prospect. He strikes out a bunch of guys, and all of a sudden he's he's the you know he's the next Jabba Chamberlain and. Uh, the bottom line is, is that you know he's, he's nineteen. You know he's young. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see what happens. Let's just hope he's not the next Brian Taylor. <laughs> well, that's he's past that, isn't he? Isn't he past Brian <laughs> Taylor? He actually uh, he's in spring training and he, he didn't blow out his arm in a bar fight. <laughs> Cal, we last year, if you remember correctly, uh, and I'm sure you do, uh, right here on this radio program uh, slash podcast, we we got all over uh, Mark Teixeira for the slow start. And uh, now he, he's, uh, first of all, he's been real vocal this spring, which is fun. And secondly, you know, he's going to get off to the fast start and no more slow Aprils. And are you buying what uh, Mark Teixeira is selling? Uh, no, I'm not really <laughs> buying it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Mark Teixeira has been in the league how many years? This is maybe his, like, seventh or eighth year. Has he been in the league that long? Yep. Okay. Uh, every year that he's been in the league, he has had a horrible start to his, his season. So he could tell me all he wants. You know, he, he could sing that song from now until opening day, but I am not going to expect him to hit more than 150 in April. All right. Uh, yeah, I know. I totally agree. I mean, he's also the one who came out and said that they're kind of underdogs and they're relishing that role and stuff. And... Oh, yeah, he said that too, yeah. A-Rod's in, in, in great shape, and, and supposedly Jeter's got a new swing, which is a good idea after you've amassed 3,000 hits. You want to definitely tinker with stuff. But um, I, I I think the Yankees are having a weird sort of camp. I, I think Hank came out and said some ridiculous things. We talked about it last week, trying to be more Steinbrennian. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's sort of quiet there, and Jabba came out, and he's supposedly rumored uh, to be uh, in trade rumors for Francisco Liriano, and I, I love the great quote, uh, the Yankees are interested in Fr- Francisco Liriano. Well, the Yankees are interested in every good pitcher in baseball. You know, I, I mean, this uh, how is this a news story, you know? It's not exactly breaking. They're going to call about Felix Hernandez. They're going to call about Francisco Liriano. They're going to offer up uh, Jesus Montero, and if they don't take him, then we'll move on. Do you think that when, when Brian Cashman puts the call in to Seattle and uh, he calls up Seattle's general manager and he says, listen, you know, we got an opening in our rotation. We'd like to trade for Felix Hernandez. And the GM on the other line says, no, no, we're not really interested in trading him. Do you think Cashman puts his hand over the receiver and starts looking around like, well, what do we do now? Uh, aren't, aren't, they, aren't they supposed to just give him to us? We asked for him. Hey, look, we, we had decided that Cashman has gone rogue. Anyway, and is trying and is trying to get fired. What with the wigs and the bartending and the elf costumes, Cashman so, has gone sheen. He has gone sheen. You know, he's by winning. Uh, but, 
But Cal, that phone call happened, and he just hangs up the phone. Fine. I said, good day. I think Brian Cashman is having a number of prime Brian Cashman moments. Like he I'm Brian Cashman. Do you think, Cal, do you think the Yankees are in as much trouble as some people seem to think they are? No, not at all. I think I think the Yankees are perfectly fine. I think their pitching is is suspect, and that's certainly an area for concern. But they've got a fantastic bullpen. I mean, there's no bullpen in the major leagues like what they have, and they're going to hit the ball. They've got a fantastic offense. So I don't think that they're in as much trouble as everybody says they are. I would agree that Boston is probably the favorite in the AL East. But find me another team in the American League that you would take over the Yankees as a wild card. Uh, I, I mean, you don't know what Tampa Bay is going to be with the guys that they've lost. So, I, no, I, I agree with you. I think rumors of their potential demise are greatly exaggerated. But, greatly exaggerated. But you, I think you see chasing the arms, though, Cal. I mean, this is the team that a 36, 37-year-old shortstop, a 36... 37-year-old, you know, uh, uh, third baseman or whatever, you know, the, the, the Robbie Canoza, the young guy, of course. But, you know, there's a lot of age on this team. And I also think CeCe Sabathia is getting ready to make make, make a move. Uh, coincidentally, drops 30 pounds in his walk here. Um, I, I think this is a Yankee team that is built to win now, though. I think they better get back to the World Series, Cal. Really? I do. I, I really do. I, I see a lot of age on this team. I mean, Mark Teixeira's 30, 31. You know, Cano's the youngest guy who's a star. You know, Jeter and A-Rod. I mean, how many more years does Alex Rodriguez have? You know, how many more big years does he have? He had a, a, an off year for him last year. It's a fantastic year for anybody else. But is he not a player in decline? Is Derek Jeter not a player in decline? You know, is the rotation riddled with question marks outside of CC Sabathia? Is Mo Rivera not 42 years old? I mean, well, you know, Mo, Mo, Mo Rivera could be 62 years old at this point. <laughs> no, right. He might Doesn't be. Matter. So, yeah. But, matter. you know, they just added Andrew Jones to the mix. You know, they're bringing in guys like Mark Pryor and Bartolo Colon. And, you know, this is not a, a super young team. They're built to win now. You know, it's interesting about uh, the, the Yankees. This, this season, everyone's talking about Jeter, they're talking about Rivera. Probably the biggest key to the season is what kids are going to step up and start this new generation of Yankees. And the truth is, is that all we've ever heard about is the pitchers and the catchers. And that's a nice start, but where are the infielders? Where, where's your outfielders besides Brett Gardner? I mean, they don't have anybody coming up. And, and the truth is, is what's going to happen is you're going to end up sending whatever prospects you have, and you're going to get someone else's kids. And that's been the Yankees' you know, uh, you know, history for a long time. And I'm not sure if that's the right way to go. It's going to be interesting to see if there if there is a next wave. Obviously, Jesus Montero is supposed to be a next wave guy. You know, uh, uh, Batances we're talking about. They have all these great young arms and great young catches. Austin Roman. Uh, <laughs> Austin August Romain. Romain. <laughs> You're right, August Romain. Uh, but you can totally see these guys being dealt in a heartbeat if the Yankees are in a pennant race and, and somehow, uh, you know, Francisco Liriano does become available. You can see Brian Cashman being like, yeah, deal him. I don't care. I'm not going to be here in three years. I mean, the two most important guys for the Yankees could be Cano and Granderson. Two guys that, you know, if they could take the next step, like they've you know, clearly Cano had a big step last year, 
and Granderson's second half was second half was phenomenal. If these two guys could go even further, uh, that's going to take a lot of pressure off the veterans as they get older. Absolutely, you can make the argument that you know Cano stepped up into a top five player in baseball. Uh, I, I mean, he did have he's, he's a, he had a top we, five. Which, all right, top ten. Top ten. Cano, <laughs> you, you okay? Yellow. You all right? That just seems like a lot. You uh, all right? So tell me, nine guys you're taking over Robinson Cano right now? Nine guys, I take the Red Sox. Oh please, you're out of your mind. Now you're just being a Yankee hater, Cal. Come on, look at his numbers <laughs> from last year, and he played Gold Glove second base. Come on. Top ten. I, I, I could strongly argue he is a top ten overall player in baseball. Let me put. I'll let give me you put, top. You, you give me top what? Top chef? What will you give me? Top. <laughs> top twenty. Top twenty. All right. Let me put it to you this way. But for, I'll break it down for you. Break right. it down. Come on. <laughs> Don't make me rap. I, I'll break it down for you. If you were having a fantasy baseball draft tomorrow, and we still right. uh, and we still did rounds instead of an auction, right? Okay, and you've got the number seven pick. Are you not taking Robinson Cano with the number seven pick? That's right. Um, Is he not in the top ten picks? Well, we have twelve teams. Come on now. Is he not in the top ten picks? I don't think he is. I'm going to jump out. Yeah, and I don't it. think he is. So you're? Uh, can we say one of the top ten offensive players or, or non-pitchers in the game? Well, okay, there you go. I will give him that. I I I, I tell you what. Go back and look at the numbers. Go back and look at the fact that he's 28, and go back and look at the fact that he's probably going to win an MVP award this year. He's well, we can, we can, he, look, we could we could debate this all night. Um, between and I'm and well, listen. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I will give you. I will give you top ten offensive players in baseball, and that's as far as I go. Top ten non-pitchers. Non-pitchers. Well, the offensive players. Yeah. Well, we could be giving a gold glove too. Ah, I'm not sold on his defense yet. Oh wow! Ah, you haven't watched him play. I, I watch him play a lot. I don't like his approach. Oh, you just don't like his laid-back mentality? That's what it is. Listen, I we've talked about this many times, Cal. I, I I have not been the biggest Cano fan for a long time. This past season was the best I've, I've seen him play, especially in the defensive end. I mean, he, he, has, he took a big step this year, and I, I don't think he's top ten in the league, um, but I think he's getting there, and, and it's going to happen probably this year. You guys are crazy because I still want you to name me ten players that are better. Ten? But, uh, I can't name you ten. Oh. We'll do this another time. Look at me defending take, Robinson Cano like it's my job. Let's, let's take this offline, okay? Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. the number to call. And we are, uh, Cal, we should go to uh, Jay Linder. Uh, hopefully we can bring in our buddy Jay. He's the uh, the newspaper sports fan. He's also an old friend of Evan and ours. And uh, we're we're going to move on to the fun load, Cal, and talk about uh, epic meltdowns, classic meltdowns. And while we uh, while we bring Jay in, and we wait for Jay to call in, I want to play you this clip, Cal. Okay. I I, uh, I thought this would be a good intro. I thought this would be a good intro. Here you go. Some are saying that you're bipolar. Wow. What does that mean? I guess that 
you know, you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not going to happen. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? If I'm bipolar, aren't there moments where a guy, like, crashes and is, like, in the corner, like, oh, my God, it's all my mom's fault? Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Move forward. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> Let's welcome in uh, our buddy Jay Linder to the show. And welcome, Jay. Are you there, my friend? Thank you, guys. It's uh, a pleasure so to be here. Great to have you I on, Jay. So, um, yep. I understand that your website is actually being powered by Cal's car. Is that true? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> it is battery-operated. And we couldn't get the hood open on the website. We could I not really, get I the hood really enjoyed that little, that little like, Groove Home Jimmy Smith interlude that, that, that you guys threw on there for a few minutes. That was, that was <laughs> something. I mean, not for nothing, but I think ever since you guys tweaked the brand and, and got rid of the ampersand and made it, you know, A-N-D Cal and San Pete, things have just been a little bumpy. You know, it's like, I, it's like I, the new Coke recipe. I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> this is absolutely right. Let's welcome in uh, our, our buddy Jay Linder to the program. Jay, uh, starting things off with a bang. And uh, welcome to the Fun Load, pal. We wanted to talk to you about, and we wanted to talk tonight just about uh, meltdowns. I, I sent you this article, Jay, about uh, Zach Greinke, who uh, has been traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Zach Greinke has social anxiety disorder. And I read this article. Well, I, can, I, I can relate. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know. City. Right. It's, it's Kansas City. Now he's gone to Milwaukee. And there were rumors that the Yankees, we're trying desperately to trade for him. And I read this article, Jay, and the first thing I thought of was like, there's no way this guy could ever play in New York. He he gets worn out talking to his teammates. I mean, could you imagine? Yeah, I don't know, him? man. <laughs> I just can't imagine him in front of his locker with, you know, 50 Daily News writers there. You know, he'd lose his mind. I couldn't picture him at, at down the hatch during happy hour, much less, much less in front of reporters. I mean, look, look you know, if the guy couldn't handle... Kansas City, where the team is in competition with folks trying to get tickets to the American Heritage Jazz Museum, you know, I really don't know, there's really nowhere to go downhill from there. So I, I wish him all the best in Milwaukee. You know, um, he's going from one central division to another. Uh, I'm sure he'll be all right. I mean, the advantage that uh, Milwaukee has over Kansas City is, is you know, uh, a lot of free beer goes pretty well with SAD Med. So, you know. We're, we're, we'll see what happens. It, it could be Sheen-esque. It could be Sheen-esque. Now, Jay, well, that got me to thinking, and Cal and, and Ev and I were talking about this idea that, you know, do we sort of, uh, and I wanted to bring you on it because I figured you'd have a good take on it. Do, do, do we sort of take for granted the idea that these professional athletes are remotely capable of handling the pressure situations, the media, the scrutiny uh, that they are, that come in, inherently with their jobs? You know, it's interesting that you say that because there was a point in time years ago where where there was a lot of idol worshiping that went on with professional athletes, and we never even took that consideration because it just wasn't part of the cultural dialogue that that folks might have a hard time handling the day to day. In this day and age, instant celebrity, instant gratification, instant news on the web. You know, I think there's a little less sympathy for people like Zach out there. I, I think that folks. Um, are going to have a little less patience with the idea that, that someone can't handle it because in this day and age, in this economy, it's hard to sympathize with a guy who's who's got a contract that size. So, you know, to, to hear SAD or or something similar, um, you know, it, it's a tough call because on one hand, people don't have a lot of patience for it, but on the other hand, everyone loves a great train wreck. 
So <laughs> I think I think as, I think fans, unfortunately, these days kind of want it both ways. Yeah, as we're finding out nightly with uh, with Mr. Sheen. I mean, just just you know jail. what, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, not not for nothing, Thomas, but I think that what's been going on with Charlie Sheen is far funnier than anything he's been doing over the last eight or nine years with Two and a Half Men. I mean, I don't know what it is, people treating the show like it's all in the family and treating Charlie Sheen like he's William Holden. I mean, I, I'm having a hard enough time with his taste in porn stars. They all have meth mouth, so I'm, I, I can't I can't possibly focus on his ability as an actor. So, quite frankly, the stuff that's going on lately, I mean, uh, you know, this, this 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 is really making his highlight highlight reel as far as I'm concerned. This is some of the best moments he's had since he's two right. the for the tribe. Right, he's fine since he was wearing number ninety nine. Yeah, I mean he's finally doing something funny, but we're watching him have a have an epic. And how is yeah? How was Two and a Half Men the number one show? Anyway, uh, we're watching him have a, a meltdown on a nightly basis or whatever. And just to uh, <laughs> Doctor E Ray brings up his work in Ferris Bueller again, some of his finer work. Uh, sure, sure. I mean, it was five minutes. Yeah, give exactly. me five minutes. Give me five minutes. Yeah, in a John Hughes film, you'd kill it. You'd absolutely kill it. I, I would. I, I'd kill it. I'd ab- absolutely. There, there's no question about it. You know, give a little, give a little stare, a little eye shadow. Right. I'd, I'd exactly. chat Jennifer Grey. Well, you know, actually, I wouldn't chat her up now because post post nose job, she's just not the same girl. But she's rough. She's rough to watch right yeah. now. She's a heck of a dancer, though. That kid. God bless her. That's true. Uh, but it, it, we wanted to uh, move this, Jay, too, and, and, and you make a great point because it is difficult to swallow, uh, you know, that sort of thing, especially in SAD uh, with an athlete. It's like, you know, sort of suck it up. Uh, and it was interesting in the article that Greinke said, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Jay, but that, you know, he tried to increase his meds during the season, and that didn't work That's out. That's right. You know, which which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but, uh, you know, moving – we've seen psychological problems affect players on the field – I think we also sometimes expect these guys, Jay, right, to put their personal problems aside. I mean, we saw it pretty famously uh, with Wade Boggs and going through a divorce and stuff like that, that affecting his play. Steve Sachs, Chuck Knobloch, oh my goodness, Chuck Knobloch going through you know, a wicked, wicked divorce and all of a sudden not yeah. being able to you know, throw the first base. I mean, what happens here, Jay, when, when the psychological stuff happens on the field? I think I think when that happens on the field, it, 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 it just sort of shines a light on the idea that, that, you know, more than a century into this game, we still hold people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. And, and just because they have the ability to, to, you know, run, hit, field, uh, hit with power, what have you, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're still flesh and blood like we are. And, uh, and you know, I think in the best of scenarios, we can try and sympathize and hope they work through it. But but the reality is, we're fans, and we're 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 the people that fuel this game um, with our dollars and with our with our loyalty. And if Mackie Sasser can't throw it back to the pitcher, you know, sorry, Mackie, we love you, and and we can relate. I've certainly had those moments myself where, you know, anytime my two-year-old uh, wants me to read a book that's got more than 20 words per page and requires me to speak in a pirate's voice. I'm praying. It's almost like I was back in Little League and saying, please don't hit the ball to me. But dude, you know, got to go, got to go, Becky. Got to go, got to go. Well, you brought up, uh, we're, we're going to get into some of these meltdowns too, and, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into the manager ones because I think, you know, the pressure builds on these guys that are running the team, especially in baseball. You see it a lot, but these head, co- head coaches of football teams and stuff have these, 
epic meltdowns, Jay, you know, uh, where they, they just melt down at the microphone. And it's fantastic to see. But the, the, the players have them, too. And you brought up a great one today. I'm going to play this little, this little clip. Uh, it's really unfair. That's my team. It's my quarterback. And if you guys do that, man, it's unfair. We lost to the team. We lost to the team, man. So that was, of course, the brilliant... Sorry. That was, of course, the brilliant Terrell Owens after the Dallas Cowboys uh, lost... Uh, in the playoffs, and, and uh, Tony Romo was getting ripped on. Now, Jay, you brought up uh, T.O.'s oh-so-graceful exit from Philadelphia with the yeah. – and I had totally <laughs> forgotten about the driveway workout press conference. It's it's a little crazy with T.O., man, because by the time he, he was, you know, weeping behind his foster grants, we all knew that he left a lot of his groceries at the market. I mean, the thing about Terrell Owens is here's a guy who, who pretty much, you know, talked his way out of San Francisco – got dealt for five minutes to Baltimore. The Eagles owner bails him out of that deal, brings mm-hmm. him to Philadelphia, pairs him up with the best quarterback he's ever had. They make it to the Super Bowl. The guy is on the verge of playing hurt in a game that yet sure they lost. He had an opportunity, an incredible opportunity, to make a truckload of money. And he just threw it off the window and started acting like, you know, the crazy girlfriend that, or the crazy girl that, you know, you hooked up with at a party during the first semester and then she just won't leave you the hell alone in the cafeteria. He, he, he was off the reservation <laughs> after that. And, and then the, and the next thing you know, they got, him, they got him a season in Buffalo and, and you know, right. a season in the Queen City. You know, gosh. Yep. Yeah, the next thing you know, she's doing push-ups and sit-ups in your driveway outside <laughs> your house on the quad. Uh, I can't yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> But Tio's, Tio's a Cal, you're a big Tio guy. I know you love Tio. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is he among your is he among your favorite? What are some of your favorite meltdowns here, Cal? Tio is is definitely his meltdown was among my favorite. I, I, I loved his meltdown. Um, I was a big fan of the uh, of the Deion Sanders meltdown on Tim McCarver in the, in the oh, locker man. room when the Braves won the uh, won the playoffs. Magnificent, magnificent. You remember that, Steve, right? I do, and and you know, the, one of the running themes with a lot of these, you know, T.O. to me is is a mentally imbalanced guy. I mean, again, here's a guy who's a, a ridiculously talented athlete, whose job requires him to deal with the media, to deal with pressure situations, uh, on the field pressure situations. He does great, ninety eight percent of the time. Uh, you know, let's face facts. T.O. is a magnificent receiver, but off the field, he's a twelve year old. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes these guys are just 12-year-olds. You know, they're, they're, they're just, you know, they're adolescent kids who, when they deal with the media scrutiny or they deal with uh, getting told that they stink or getting told that they had a bad game. Uh, you know, you know, another one I saw today, guys, that you, maybe you forgot about was Ryan Leaf. You know, Ryan Leaf, oh, sure. when, he, when he went off on that reporter, now here's one of the biggest busts in the history of the draft, right? You know, how much pressure – that kid was not prepared. He was not emotionally – no, I know – I'm not trying to cop out for him. He stunk. But he also was not emotionally prepared for the scrutiny that came along with the contract that he signed. You know, and, and I – You know who was emotionally prepared draft day was Indianapolis. That, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. gee. Yes, yes, they were. That was a near miss. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know another uh, Cal. What's a, what's another one of your favorite melt? I got one that I, I'm going to play a clip from it. But what, what do you got, Cal? 
Well, if, if if we head into the uh, into the coaches' wing of the meltdowns, we have a oh, uh, boy. An, an unlimited supply. You've got obviously a whole a set of Coors Light commercials which feature meltdowns. Yes. You've, you know Jim Mora with the playoffs and and Dennis Green. We we they are who we thought they were. And then of course there's the famous um, the famous Tommy Lasorda clip when Dave Kingman went off for three home runs on him in a game yes. in, in Wrigley Field. Oh, you mean you mean this? Can you give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game? Well, naturally, I feel bad about losing a ball game like that. There's, uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game, and that uh, just doesn't make sense. What's your opinion What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the f- do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- put that in. I don't f- opinion of his performance. He beat us with three home runs. What can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose a game, and you ask me my opinion of his performance. A lot of the. <laughs> I love that one because the reporter's laughing. Like, the reporter's like, now, how much of this, Jay, is, especially with the managers and stuff, I, I watched Hal McCraze. Remember Hal McCraze from 93? Sure, which, sure. Which got him fired? That was one of the, best, how much, one of the most memorable hits. Yeah, how much of this is, uh, you know, the questions that these guys have to answer? <laughs> you know, and the, and the inane, uh, you know, <laughs> questions that these guys have to answer on a daily basis. It's it's pretty crazy because I think, you know, especially when you talk about a guy like Hal McRae or Earl Weaver or, you know, any of those, or Lasorda, any of those old school guys, I mean, those guys were, were brought up in organizations before, you know, in, in a lot of ways before television or, or, you know, cable television took hold. And to ask them to become, you know, ambassadors to the media, I think resulted in some pretty some pretty memorable moments for all of us. You know, and, and that continues to this day. I mean, those Coors Lights commercials are, are, are a derivative of something that's kind of interesting. I mean, NFL coaches, man, I mean, you're talking about a, a made-to-order heart attack situation. So the fact they have to get up there before the media several days per week, in this day and age, virtually every day, um, yeah. is, is, is I definitely feel for those guys. Because they're and not getting paid at the same level. Right. If you're Rex Ryan, it's every, you know, what, 45 minutes? I mean, you're just on a constant yeah, stream. Yeah. I mean, he gets to go have a snack and, and rub some feet, so it's, it's, it's you know, it's all right. He's, 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 I'm not I'm not feeling too badly for Rex. Now, one of the things I was looking at, guys, with this that that's sort of interesting, uh, Cal, too. We were talking about this, the idea that you know tennis and golf meltdowns are magnificent, but the pressure that's on uh, a tennis player or a golf uh, pro is is so different than the team sport guy. I mean, there is occasionally somewhere to hide, even if you are a big star. Uh, and you're on a team sport, you know, with with uh, tennis, golf, boxing, like these guys melt down and and girls, because Serena Williams is, you know, just uh, beautiful for meltdowns. You know, these these people are under so much pressure because it's just them. It's an entirely different sort of pressure, and it's an entirely different sort of makeup that you have to have to be able to do that. Certainly, I mean, and, and those folks, I think, to an even greater degree than than. Um, professional team athletes have been have been nurtured from a very young age, particularly you know in, in, in the world of tennis, um, to to drive to this just crazy unrealistic degree of success. 
uh, often by right. people close to them. Like, you know, like think about a Serena, like her, her parents, her dad. And, and, and God only knows what that manifests itself in um, down the road, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Jay, That's a great point. Yeah. Now, Jay, I, I got a question for you. We we were talking about the the coaches and their meltdowns, and and you brought up a good point. How they're they're under such intense pressure uh, every week. But how much of it, when you see these clips, and and we talked about the sound bites, how much of it is is kind of a show that they're putting on for the media? Or do you think that it's all like just genuine meltdown on their part? I I think it's. In this day and age, you know, I want to honestly say that it's a little bit more of of something that, that's manufactured because, you know, a lot of these guys um, have learned the lessons from previous generations. You know, they 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 they, they are in a in a much different environment where every step they take is scrutinized, and, and a lot of them are, are positioning themselves for for life after football. Particularly, in you know, everyone wants a sweetheart gig with ESPN or CBS or Fox, so. If you can figure out a way to speak in sound bites and media bites, um, yeah. that, that's going to that's enhance your own value proposition. Uh, um, you know, uh, or if you're Andy Reid, it's going to it's going to um, you know uh, free up more time to do other things, like take another trip to the buffet table. <laughs> I mean, let's face it: win or lose, some of these guys just eat their asses off. You know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, there, there doesn't there doesn't seem to be a, a starvation problem with the with the coaches. Like nobody's going on hunger no, strikes. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> the uh, what I I would be completely remiss if I didn't. Play. And and again, this all speaks to the idea that some of these guys are thrust into positions just because they're good athletes or the best athletes into a position where they would never normally be in. I mean, you you would never if if if. You know, Zach Granke couldn't throw a baseball 95 miles an hour. He would have trouble getting a job in an office because he can't talk to people. You know, right. so they would they would never be in this position. But this one, Jay, I know you love this one. This one is just it's just so choice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice, not a game, not a, not not the game that I go out there and, and die for. And play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I, I just, you know what? I love I, I love that one so much. AI, his love is real, but his effort is not. I mean, <laughs> I, I love Iverson. I, I, I got to tell you, in a way, I, I remember when, when that, that uh, conference was held, I kind of understood where he was coming from. And context is yep. everything. I mean, you look at uh, Alan Iverson as a kid who was, had to get pardoned by the governor when he was 17 or 18 years old, yeah. you know, to get out of get out of jail and go to G- and Georgetown. It, it's practice probably doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot in, in, in the grand scheme <laughs> of things for a guy like him. No, that's absolutely true. I I want to uh, close this up, Jay. I want to get your uh, your favorite meltdown uh, of all time, if you have a favorite. I know you mentioned the the Pippin one, which was a really good one. That was a I thought that was so interesting. Pippin in the '94 playoff. You know, I mean, look. I'm a closet Orioles fan, so I certainly could could throw an Earl Weaver rant here or there. Though you know there are conspiracy theorists that say that those rants were actually manufactured for for, for radio. I, I'm going to go with Pippen. Um, you know, number one, as a Knicks fan, it was spectacular to observe <laughs> that. That was a magical, crazy summer. Um, number two, you know, Scotty Scotty's had an interesting life. You know, I mean, going back to the original point about who these guys are and what they bring to the table. I mean, here's a guy who probably never wanted to be the man, 
But after Jordan retired, he was thrust into that position. And when he was put in a position with a couple seconds left in the game and Big Chief Triangle wanted to go to Tony Kukoc, Pippen responded and, and sat himself down. That was crazy. And it's been all downhill ever since, dude. He played in Europe. He lost $120 million in, in investments. And, and uh, you know, if it weren't for his, his wife um, being on The Real Housewives of Miami, uh, you know, I don't think anyone would be paying attention. No, I, I think... I don't know if you guys have seen her or not. She's... she's I mean, I'm really, I'm really, it's hard for me to pick on Scotty because I'm really impressed. He really rebounded from that rant. I mean, she's, she's gorgeous. Check it out. She's a, she, you're a fan of Mrs. Pippin, huh? Larsa. She's, she's, she's really, she's special. I'm sorry, what's Larsa her name? Pippen? She really is. And, and she's, and currently she's the breadwinner in the household. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta Yeah, exactly. That. Well, after he flushed that 120 mil away, yeah, she's, she's got to go on Desperate Housewives and, uh, you know, make the ends meet. You know, because the ends ain't meeting, ends ain't meeting like a mofo anymore. Her, 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 her ends are actually meeting pretty well, uh, <laughs> I, to be honest. Cal, what's your uh, what's your favorite meltdown here? My favorite meltdown. Um, I'm partial, obviously, to uh, Roberto Alomar spitting in the umpire's face. <laughs> uh, yeah, how, boy, how could we leave that one out again? And you know, there's a situation where uh, he wound up going to New York. And couldn't handle playing there, and and yeah. really had a terrible time when he was in New York, and uh, you know we sort of get a bad rap here in New York, uh, you know because as you know Jay, this is a national show, uh, but we sort of get a bad rap here in New York uh, that it's you know so very difficult for for uh, players to play here, but there is obviously way more media scrutiny, mm-hmm. uh, and and, and than there is in other places, so there is a legitimacy to that, that uh, consideration for a player when he comes to New York. Uh, but Robbie Alomar, the spinning thing, didn't keep him out of the Hall of Fame, but uh, it certainly is a, a, a terrible black mark on his, you know, on on oh. on his resume, as it were. Um, Absolutely, and, and I and, and I just if I could just throw out two real quick ones that I just thought of A and B. A when Kevin McReynolds' wife called up WFAN to uh, <laughs> criticize the fans, yes. getting on her husband's case, and B same same vein. When Greg Jeffries wrote an open letter to the fans of New York, asking for uh, for them to lighten up a little bit. Yes, both excellent, Cal. And uh, you know, wouldn't you like to be Mrs. McReynolds when Kevin got home that night? <laughs> I wish I would have been a fly on the wall for that. Uh, honey, honey, yeah, yeah, we're gonna need to talk because uh, that was a poor idea. Well, didn't who's the NBA player? Was it uh, Doug Christie? Yes, Chrissy, whose wife calls like every week to defend him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the wife would call into Sports Talk Radio, and then of course you have Kurt Warner's wife, who did the same thing. Brenda Warner uh, yes. called up and uh, spoke about, uh, be, "Please be nice to Kurt." Uh, you know, we should keep keep the wives out of it. But uh, Ev, what's your favorite meltdown, Ev? What do you got? I think it begins and ends with the Clemens Piazza, 2000 World Series. Clemens, obviously, uh, his roid rage is at full impact at that point. <laughs> And just completely goes nuts on uh, Piazza for for just breaking his bat for crying out loud. Yeah, that's uh, that's a sore spot for Mets fans. As uh, Mike uh, really should have charged him out there. Really should have charged him out. Anyway, uh, here's mine. Ready? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? It's not really a huge meltdown. I just love putting it on my fantasy baseball. Uh, website every year uh, when we start talking about the playoffs. And uh, Jim, Mar- 
Jim Moore had a bunch of really good ones, but I, I just love that one. It's it's quick, it's to the point, and uh, it's better than Mike Tyson biting off somebody's ear. Jay, we're going <laughs> to run, pal. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you got anything to plug? No, I, I'm really honestly thrilled to be with you guys. Thanks very much. And uh, and and I'm not plugging anything other than, than my ears. I'm going to get some rest and, and hope these babies don't wake me up in the middle of the night. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Hopefully we'll have you on again, pal. We'll talk to you down the line. All right, Jay Linder checking in with us and, and doing a great job for us in the fun load. And now, Cal, we only got a couple of minutes left. So that was fun. That was quick. Right. In fact, here, I'll play the, since we're being entirely sticky tonight, I'll just whip out all the guns. This is what we have left. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So let us sum up with The Doctor is In, starring Dr. Evan Raymond Eisenberg at your service. Dr. E. Ray, go. Okay, I, I have a... Do you guys check out this story about the Louisville cheerleader who, uh, with 0. 0.5 seconds left, decides that it's a good idea to run out in the court, um, catch the ball that's in play, and throw it up in the air, giving uh, <laughs> the other team two technicals and the ball. Um, my question for you is, uh, Patino, who has had his meltdowns also, was pretty... Uh, pretty <laughs> Stable on this situation. What would your reaction have been, Sam Pete, if you were the coach? Um, I would have definitely had some stern words for that young lady. Um, Man. Oh, is this a guy? <laughs> Clearly, I didn't see the clip. Oh, it was a guy? Oh, I would have knocked him out. Are you kidding me? I would have gone Romanowski on him. I would have just uh, come across the court and completely tackled the guy. Oh, you got to punch that up, Evan. I want to see it. I heard about it. I didn't know it was a guy. Cal, what would you have done to him? I I can't imagine what could possibly going through that guy's mind. <laughs> well, he's like, why, he's why would you? Why would you do that even if you thought the game was over? I, I'm <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, possesses you to do that even if the game is over. Mo Most of the post-game interviews seem to show that he had no idea that he had at that point done anything wrong. That he had. Wait, now we're watching it here. This is magnificent. I, I don't get wait. it. So it's a dunk. Here he is. Runs out. Ah! Throws the ball. <laughs> oh, this is great. What What did you do? So Pitt gets two technical fouls after there's no time left on the clock. Sinks them both. Gets the ball back and throws up a a, a, a prayer, a prayer three. three three to tie the game. Right. And it, it, it hits the rim. Unbelievable. That guy's fantastic. I, well, I would, I would at least suspend him, Ev. <laughs> Patino's response today apparently was he had a sit-down meeting with the, with the gentleman and told him that, you know, uh, enjoy your moment of fame, uh, that you have something to show your kids. <laughs> Clearly, this is a man who is reeling from a sex scandal of his own, uh, Rick Patino. So I think 10 years ago, Patino would have reacted differently. Right. I think at this point, like, uh, okay, well, I really can't say anything about this. Uh, bite my tongue. What else you got? Okay, let me ask you a question. Jets made a bunch of moves in the last two days. Uh, released uh, Kerry Jenkins, uh, Damian Woody, Golston, and uh, Jason Taylor, and today placed the highest tender possible on Cromartie and Holmes, uh, first and third round tenders. So, Cal, let me ask you a question. And also, they're they're also being rumored to have uh, to offer another contract to Ladanian to keep him aboard. Cal, uh, what do you think of these moves? I I I question the um the tenders 
to, to Holmes and Cromartie. I don't have a problem with bringing Tomlinson back in a, in a much more reduced role this year, hopefully. And I don't really have a problem with uh, the four guys that they let go. Sam, Pete, do you think this was too quick to give up on Golston? <laughs> All right, I almost got that out. <laughs> Next question. Uh, I, I think they had to move on from Golston. I, I think speaking of busts and speaking of guys who maybe don't have a mentality to play professional football, uh, they they cut. I hate to see Kerry Jenkins go. You hate to see Demian Woody go. Maybe he's brought back at a lower uh, price Wait, tag. Hold on. I'm a little surprised at the tender to uh, Cromarty. I feel like Cromartie is such a loose cannon. He did have a very good year for them. But I, I really feel like he is such a uh, – he could be so detrimental to what they're trying to build chemistry-wise, especially if he continues to screw up the union stuff, you know? He's such a, he's a quality character guy, though. I mean, he's a quality character guy. Character, all right. Um, so I'm a little surprised at that tender, but um, – I, look, you know, they're making moves right before the deadline. Uh, Rex told us all again that they're going to win it all and that he's – Cal, he's convinced this time. He thought he they would win it, it this last, year. Yeah, he thought they would win it the last two years. He guarantees it this year, which is great because I was right. – that's great. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think these are good moves, and I think Vernon Golston. Gee whiz. Wow. Talk about Mike Mamula for for the new jet set. What else you got? All right, Islanders lose in overtime. Ovechkin scores a goal. Um, let me ask you a question. The, the Islanders have won, have lost four in a row now, I think, or they have they're winless in the last four. Yet they've been in pretty much every game here. They're, Cal, what kind of what, what do you say about how the fact that this team has shown a lot of spirit in the, se- in the second part of the season here and have have lost a lot of close games to some very good teams? What do you think about that does for them going into next year? I think it does a lot for them, and I and I put a lot of that on the coach, Jack Capuano. I think that he's really given them, you know, we talked about it last week, he's loosened the ship a little bit from Scott Gordon, and he's let these guys play. And I think he's done a real good job with helping to build them and, and manage them as, as players, you know, rather than just managing the system. And I think that the way that they're staying in games late in the season is only going to help them next year. Oh, I totally agree. I went up here with the Islanders. I was so glad they didn't move any of these guys. Uh, Kanopka uh, was rumored to be maybe going to the Ducks or whatever. I'm glad they kept him around, Cal. You know, the guy seems to relish the role of protector for Tavares. They need, they have good chemistry right now with these young guys. They didn't break up. They didn't trade Como. They didn't trade Bailey. Uh, you know, Grabner has stepped up, so uh, I guess they figured – that Robbie Shrimp was uh, uh, expendable. But I'm just glad they didn't break up this team. You know, Garceno is going to have a top-five pick again to add. You got uh, Calvin DeHaan. You got Niederreiter. You got guys coming up. This is a good young team. And I'm telling you right now, Cal, if they can get some steady goaltending, get out from under the specter of your favorite player, Ricky DiPietro, this is a competitive team next year for a playoff spot. I'll tell you that right now. They may have three guys score 30 goals, Cal. This year, yeah. Yep. All right, what else you got? Right. Oh, you're going to love this, Cal. Sam Pete, this one's for you. Um, I'm, I'm just going to basically quote Carson Palmer of the Cincinnati Bengals on this one. Um, Carson Palmer has told that, uh, a confidant that he will, quote, never set foot in Paul Brown Stadium again. I have $80 million in the bank. I don't have to play football for money. 
I play for the love of the game, but that would have to be elsewhere. So my question, Sam, does this hurt his chances for running for mayor of Cincinnati in a couple of years? Not entirely. Jerry Springer was mayor of that town. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, but I will say this: just I'm I'm sitting here in the studios with Doctor Iray, and he brings up, uh, you know, he's done all his research for the the doctor is in Cal, and all I see is yeah. the ESPN headline, and it's Carson Palmer colon I have eighty million in the bank. It should be like I have eighty million in the bank. Ka Chang, like just like bitches. Yeah, it's refreshing to see honesty like this, isn't it? It's just delightful. Carson Palmer saying, you know what? I don't care. I mean, it should be it should be a picture of him giving the middle finger to Cincinnati. It, it, it's sitting in money bags. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> sitting in a huge he's dressed pile. in a tuxedo, perhaps. He's Moscow. actually he's actually relieving himself on a statue of Paul Brown. <laughs> he's sitting on a huge pile of money, like Doctor like Scrooge McDuck, big thing of gold, yeah. just just he's ripping up a picture in the bank. He's ripping up a picture of Howard Hessman. <laughs> wow, WKP deep. Cut. Think about that one. Good job. Good job. Venus flytrap. Good job. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If you could name ten guys in the NFL who who would make this statement, would Carson Palmer be anywhere near those ten guys? Would Carson Palmer? Carson he just seems like a laid-back California dude, and he's coming out and being like, "I have eighty million in the bank." What's going on in Cincinnati? That's that bad. Is it, is it the coach? That that team's a. I mean, that team's a disaster. I mean, he, you got to think his wide receivers are gone. You know, the one. I mean, that probably didn't help the situation. But I mean, it seems things are uh, you know starting off in a different direction. There's also talk of them drafting a quarterback in the upcoming draft, without a doubt. You know, and and maybe even Cam Newton. Uh, you know, falling to the Bengals or whatever. Cal, I, I I have eighty million in the bank. What's up? That's you know that's clearly his brother's influence. <laughs> well, that brings Jordan Palmer. Point, Cal. So if Carson Palmer goes, I mean, literally, does he turn to his brothers like, "Let's get out of here"? And what's his brother's name? Skippy Palmer. I don't know. And he's Jordan. Like, Dude, I'm in line for the starting job here. Yeah, I'm I, stick I, around. You, I, this is not awesome. eighty million. I don't. Thanksgiving just got really awkward at the Palmer household. As, or maybe, as, or maybe, they, maybe the Palmer boys have been hanging out with Nick Lachey a little bit too much. Yeah, it's entirely possible. All I know is Jordan Palmer's like, fine, walk, man. It's my job. Sweet. <laughs> you Can you pass the gravy at Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, maybe it'll get picked off on its way over to you. Oh, not snap. Have, not all of us have $80 million in the bank. Carson and return for a touchdown, of course. Yes, of course. Well, that is all the time we have on Ready to Unload this evening. Sorry for the late start, folks, but uh, we we got underway. We got Cal involved, and that's Cal. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the music. (laughs) So Cal, I got 80 million pitches. And, uh, and, 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 and